so you are in North Borneo. I believe you've just had a nice meal, or at least some of you have had a nice meal. Not all of you. I think old Logan decided that eating elephant or elephant-ish, whatever this thing is, was not to his taste. Was that right? That is correct. Shall I show you a picture again of that thing? Because <laughs> it is, it is quite something. <laughs> You may find, Mr. Selby, that when you are in the jungle, in order to survive, you may have to eat things that don't agree with you. I've eaten bugs before. No worries. Okay, so you're all sitting in the mess tent of the Army Corps with Lancaster, and you're, you're finishing up your meal. And he says, um, like, a, like a spot of pudding, anyone? That I will forego. <laughs> really? Oh, the chef makes a wonderful treacle pudding. You sure I can't tempt you? Bit of custard? No, thank you. Treacle pudding? That sounds delicious. Um, are we going to... Do anything with my fumbled Cthulhu Mythos roll. I mean, I have to. I just thought it. No, no, I do want to do something with it, but I honestly, I completely forgot that you'd done it. Let's leave that for a while. It doesn't have to happen immediately. Actually, I got this from the horse's mouth from one of the guys that wrote the seventh edition rules. If you fumble or make a failed push roll, it doesn't have to. It can, it can be a delayed reaction. So it saves my bacon there. I have permission to not have come up with an idea. Um, I mean, you can come up with an idea if you want. I mean, does anyone here have an idea what can happen to Richard with a fumbled Cthulhu Mythos roll? Anyone want to suggest something? Something really nasty? It's got to be nasty, of course. Her scale growth could be worse. Oh, yes. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. perhaps uh, it takes on a different uh, quality considering the different sex of snake people that we are dealing with. Yeah. Stabbed in the back. Maybe what happens is they start creeping up your chest to your neck and your friends suddenly realize that your scales are showing. Mr. Chesterton, perhaps you should cover up. Why? What's, what's going on? Oh, my goodness. He looks down and he sees this happening and he's like anybody got a scarf or something oh man i never travel anywhere without my ascots here and i will wrap it around my neck because i do not want to scare the locals yeah and as a consequence of that you you're going to have to lose five points of appearance so your appearance is going to go down to 45 okay you're still not as ugly as i am i'm at 40 so (laughs) even with your scales don't worry well actually no you weren't you didn't have it did you it's only it's only no i don't oh no you you're fine. Should we make luck rolls as well? For oh yes, please go push? ahead. Maybe these scales identify her as a rival, <laughs> like an ally of the rival snake people. Not the inner knight, the other one, the yig one. <laughs> okay, something else as well. As you're kind of covering up Richard and you're doing this, you realize when you look really closely at your hand and at your arm, that these tiny, almost imperceptible scales are now actually covering most of your body. Now, this isn't like the big iridescent green scales that have been growing up your neck. It's like your skin has taken on this sort of platelety look, which is a little bit worrying, of course. Kind of like bird skin without the feathers. Yeah, something like that. But as you're prodding it, just to, to make sure, it's really interesting. It feels like your skin has got somehow tougher as a result of these scales. Maybe there's an upside to this. Well, I'm going to look really ugly, but maybe I'll have some armor. Yeah, I think I am going to make you make a sanity roll, though, for this. Yep, okay. For this realization. You lose one point, but you're fine. I mean, it's just, like, interesting. My ophidiophobia is starting to act up. You make my skin crawl, sir. Yes. The way that this works when you have an underlying insanity, it doesn't really manifest unless you have a bout of madness. So you can roleplay it however you want, but it's not going to force you to do anything unpleasant to, to poor Richard. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> well, just a couple of minutes later, the, the, the treacle puddings are brought out. And Lancaster leans in and he says, Now, chap, I know I uh, told you a little bit about what's been going on here, but look, let me give you the full picture, you see. And he, he unfurls a map, which I will show you. You can see that all, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes. He says, well, look, we're here in the airstrip. He points to where you are. We're here in the airstrip, you see, and with the army camp. And we set up a quarantine, you see, here at the bottom of the mountain. And as he points to the farm and the survey camp, he sort of indicates, he points out of the tent up the mountain. You, you're basically at the bottom of this mountain, a very thickly forested mountain. And he said, look, we've, we've set up a perimeter. Everyone on the other side, they are quarantined. They cannot leave the area. It's absolutely imperative. As I said, we've had a, a few little, uh, well, unfortunate incidents with people that were trying to leave, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. But uh, needs must. Anyway, the survey camp, they're in the thick of it. You, you must have heard of them, the North Borneo Chartered Company, British uh, Expeditionary Company. They're surveying for copper in the mountains. Apparently, there's some very rich deposits. But uh, unfortunately, the chaps there got, got caught in the middle of this mess. And they're all quarantined as well, along with some of the locals. A bunch of the locals are, are holed up at the farm, probably about 200 of them, put up a shanty town, and, and that's where some of our medical uh, teams have gone. Some of the caduceus chaps are up there now. There may be a bit of trouble when you get up there. I've got to say, they aren't really happy about the situation, but what can we do? I've got to deal with this in the right way, eh? Indeed, you are correct. Uh, Mr. Shapiro, uh, what do you say to all this? Shapiro leans in and he says... Yes, I mean, Sergeant Lancaster here is, is, is correct. Some of my colleagues are up there already, but so we, we need to get going, actually. Look, uh, you know, we've got to get the uh, equipment up there so we can start testing people to determine uh, how, how to create a vaccine or, and a cure. And he's looking at uh, Richard, who's got his, his treacle pudding with custard in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> you quite finished there, Richard? Oh, yeah, just uh, any slurps the last of it out of the <laughs> container. He says, yeah, I'm ready. I got all this going on. Nice treacle pudding to distract me, you know. He stands up and, and he says, okay, let, let's go then. He walks out of the uh, mess hall and he's heading back towards the, the plane, obviously, to get some equipment. Lancaster says, listen, chaps, I'll lend you two armoured cars. I think that'll be the best. Abdin here. Good old Abdin. He'll, he'll be your go-between if you need to deal with any of the locals. You know, as I said... Not too happy. Maybe Abdin's smiling face will put a bit of a positive spin on things, eh? <laughs> I don't know what kind of positive spin we got we can have right now, sir. Well, you know what? You know what they say, stiff up a lip, all that. He says, and he gives you a little salute. Good luck, chaps. There'll be a nice steak dinner waiting for you again when you get back. Can't wait for a bit more of that elephant. Then you, I guess you head out, yeah? Turn to the others. That's the British for you. Logan's just color covering his eyes and just shaking his head as he walks away. Logan's just perpetually exasperated with everybody and everything. I love it. I love it. So you get outside and actually Shapiro's been kind of waiting around. He's mopping his brow again. He says, oh, this detestable heat. I just can't bear it. How do you stand it? He says, looking at the three of you who, who are probably dealing quite fine with it, I imagine. I mean, you know, we were, uh, I'm a ranger. I mean, I'm used to the jungle. So I guess you just get used to it after a while. It doesn't bother you. His face is glistening with sweat. He's clearly not a very fit man, but yeah, he's he like mops his brows. Now listen, what I said earlier about the communicability, the contagiousness of this, I wasn't entirely being straight with you. No, 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 please, don't worry. We're, we're outside the quarantine zone, we're fine. I just didn't want to alarm you, but 
this stuff is highly contagious. We cannot drink or eat anything once we go into the quarantine zone, except what we take with us. We have to take our own water and our own food. This thing, this yellow death, if it is the, the virulent strain, it can get passed through food, through water, touch, as well as airborne. It's a horrendous disease. So we have to be very careful when we go into the quarantine zone. If you see anyone with any obvious symptoms, just stay back. Where are the gas masks? He said, well, uh, I, I didn't bring any. I, I, I brought these medical masks, but I mean, as long as you don't touch them or breathe in, I mean, these, these should be fine. And this just really reiterates my point when you guys ate that elephant thing. Do you have any idea where it even came from? He looks at you and he goes, well, I, I assume they... You know what they say about assuming, right? All of these assumptions, Mr. Shapiro, make me wonder why Caduceus leaves you in charge of anything. He says, I'll have you know, I, I am a veteran of, of, of five expeditions, and I haven't failed yet. He says, bridling. <laughs> not, not for want of trying. He says, well, Bolivia went fine, didn't it? Oh, yeah. We, we... <laughs> We're barely involved. <laughs> well, you know, someone has to stay, stay back and um, handle the communications. Oh, yeah, we just, you know almost got eaten by a giant mollusk and then we all got some weird snake disease. Yeah, it went great. Hang on. Yes. Ah. Well, let us carry on. Yes, well, look. Look, here's, here's the plan. You will not be exposed to the patients. That is my job, okay? But what I need you to do, whilst I am running the viral analyzer and, and running tests, you need to go up that mountain, head up there and, and find out what's going on with the inner night. Maybe the sur people in the survey camp might know. It might be elsewhere that there's 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 bound to be some evidence somewhere of, of what they've been doing. If they planted this disease, there must be someone might have seen something. Someone might have heard something. This thing doesn't just you know appear out of nowhere. It has to be it has to be carefully implanted in the in the in the local environment in some way. So, so we're looking for something that could be the source of this plague. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Something, and certainly someone. Their agents must still be in the area. Well, we must have only about 23 hours left, so we better get a move on. We better get a move on, yes, yes, yes. Um, now look, I'm, we're going to take the Haftarang device as well. I'm not leaving it here whilst we go up there. We, we need to keep this thing with us, okay? What, the bomb thing? Yes. You sure you wouldn't prefer it five miles down at the bottom of the ocean? As I said, this is our fail-safe. Hey, Doc, what do you think are the chances we're immune to this disease? Because we have already have like a snake thing, right? I'm not sure it's the same disease. And I don't have the snake thing. Well, join the club, Mr. Selby. It's all the rage. <laughs> I think I'll pass, thanks. Green isn't exactly my color. Okay, so you jump in the armored car. You've actually got a couple of them. So all the, the heavy boxes are loaded onto one of them, the half-terrain device, the viral analyzer. And a driver takes that up ahead of you. And, or maybe it's coming, going behind you. You're in the lead armored car with Abdin, driver, Shapiro. And so you start slowly making your way up the mountain, Mount Kinabalu, one of the highest peaks in the country. So you start chug chugging the way up and Abdin is looking a, a little bit kind of, maybe a little bit anxious, a little bit excited. And he says to you, oh, my friends, it's pretty bad up there. You better be ready for it. I beg your pardon, sir. In what way? Well, lots of people are very sick. You know, I know you said it was like hepatitis, but what exactly are the symptoms we should be watching out for? Like, do they have jaundice or what is it? Are their faces melting off? Abdin starts talking and then Shapiro says, no, let me explain, Abdin. Uh, so look, the, it's, it's pretty nasty stuff. 
there are three stages of the infection. First is uh, symptomless, as in many cases, but you are contagious during the stage. Sometime more or less a day after you get infected, that's when the hepatitis symptoms start emerging. Yellow skin, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, etc. Now, that's when things get a bit more unpleasant. 24 hours after that, the severe symptoms emerge, and these can be varied. We, we, we don't fully know the extent of them, but in almost every case, that leads to death within, within another day or two at most. And it's not a pleasant death. It is not a pleasant death. And, and look, as I've explained, we, we do not have one. We don't know if it is this virulent strain yet. That is why we need to do these tests. If it is the yellow death and not just some very extreme form of hepatitis, we need to find this out. And if so, we need to analyze as many samples as, well, I need to analyze as many samples as I can in the next day or so. Well, <laughs> in the next 20 hours, let's say, in order to, to produce a vaccine. Okay. If you see anyone that's looking sallow, jaundiced, just stay back, okay? Yeah, I think I'll do that. Sure. <laughs> right. You start chugging up, up this winding mountain path through thick forest. It is actually, if it wasn't such an unpleasant thing you were heading towards, it would be very beautiful, the area. It's, it's rich tropical rainforest. And after about half an hour of going up the mountain, you round a corner and you see that there's a section of trees on both sides of the road have been toppled over and one of the trees is actually lying straight across the road. It looks extremely recent and the driver, you know, slams the brakes on, the, the armoured car kind of just skids a bit to a halt and he turns around and says, we aren't getting past that, we, we, we're going to we're gonna have to get it out of the way or something. Do these armoured cars tend to have a winch or anything on the front? Yeah, I'd say you could set something up, probably. And how large is the tree? It's a pretty decent-sized tree, nothing nothing out of the ordinary, maybe 30 feet high. I mean, you, you could definitely attach a rope and pull. Or you, you probably wouldn't even need to attach a winch, because you you're on a hill, you can just kind of reverse. I'll help you put the chain on if you want, Logan, Mr. Selby. Sure, let's do this. So you get a chain, people are kind of sitting in the truck watching you. You tie it round. When you're tying it round, you notice something a bit strange about the tree. It's got deep scratches on the trunk, as if some great taloned hand had just ripped, ripped it out the ground. And you can make a, you can make a spot hidden. <laughs> wow, you failed even with your, with your super duper. Maybe Logan's a bit preoccupied getting the chain round. Maybe it's, you know, it's quite hard to get it underneath. You know, has to kind of scrabble through the dirt a bit to make enough of a gap. But Richard, mm-hmm. you, you realise that. The broken trees actually continue into the forest. It looks like something very big came through this way very recently across the road and into the forest. So, do you see this, Mr. Selby? It looks like a very big... I don't think it's one of those elephants because they don't have talons, as far as I know. Maybe. Help me here. i got to get this rope under here. <laughs> I call back to the doc. Hey, hey doc, do you, are you seeing this here? What is that? I'm I'm no common laborer. <laughs> Richard, Richard, the rope. Come on, let's get this done first. Then we Mr. can take it. Mr. Shapiro, do we have people who can go aid uh, Mr. Selby? Well, Abdin here. Abdin hops out and the driver hops out and they both help. And then after a few minutes, you've got the rope round. The driver gets back in the truck and then just reverses and pulls the, the tree out of the way, clearing the path. Were there any large footprints, Andy? That I might have... Or is it just the trees are down and... You can make another spot hidden if you, if you want to just kind of examine. I do. Yeah, you see some quite large footprints 
the rather worrying thing about them is that they look like primate footprints, but they're massive. You know, they've got like a, a heel and and five toes, but really big. <laughs> Ooh. Maybe a giant ape, eh? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. You know, like those uh, Sasquatch they talk about. Uh-huh. But, but bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I will call the, the doc at this point and say, look at these these footprints, Doc, I, I don't know, some kind of giant ape? Perhaps, yes. Um, certain uh, cultures have evidenced uh, you know, larger than normal primates in, in uh, the deep, dark places. It's not uncommon. Well, I think we should maybe uh, make tracks here. <laughs> mm. I don't want to be here where this thing comes back. You can both make intelligence roll as well. So, Richard... When you were kind of estimating things, when you were like looking, now you're looking at the footprints, you're looking at the tree, you realize those scratch marks are about 20 feet up in the air. If the tree was standing, the scratches would be made at about 20 feet high. <laughs> okay. Then I will say, yeah, well, come on, let's, uh, let's get out of here. I, I will. <laughs> I'll go over there and continue to help them get the tree out of the way. Yeah. Okay, and, and Shapiro's going, yes, come on, no time to be looking at the local flora and fauna. We've we, we got work to do. Don't be so irrational. Obviously, those scratch marks were made after the tree had fallen. You, you always got to be the voice of reason, huh? The calming voice of sanity, eh? So <laughs> Somebody has to be. Now, where's mm. my opium? <laughs> Abdin has slipped you a little packet at this point, by the way. He says, Doc, don't, don't use it all at once. Thank you. <laughs> now, there are some interesting rules around drug drug use so it can be actually quite beneficial particularly if you're facing anything sanity shattering but there's also the danger of addiction yeah we'll discuss that later in my tent yes (laughs) yeah opium can be quite debilitating just so you know so you head up um, there's no more further incidents actually and you eventually get to that fork where it goes right to the farm and left to the survey camp and and you, you, you you head right towards the farm and uh, Abdin says, uh, yes, this is Mr. Kazin's tobacco farm. This is where the, the poor, sick people are and the far- local farmers. And as you, you head, you see that tents and other makeshift shelters are huddled around a plantation-style house that overlooks the tobacco fields. And the fields are surrounded on, on all sides by, by thick forest. At the side of the building is an old truck. And you can see approximately 200 local people are uh, in the camp. And as you get towards the gates of the farm, Abdin says, uh, oh yeah, here, here he is now, Mr. Kazin. He's wearing this broad-brimmed hat. He's a Malay. He's about 45. He's wearing a very decent suit in good condition. He's got the wide-brimmed hat, neat hair, and he approaches with a broad smile on his face, even though you can see that there's worry in his eyes as he approaches. He says, hello, hello. Uh, I'm so glad you've come. I, things are pretty bad here. Mr. Kazin, it is indeed a pleasure to meet your acquaintance, sir. Me or my team can be of any use. We shall be. Oh, this pleased is... to meet you. Pleased to meet you. He comes forward to shake your hand. I place an ascot around my hand before I uh, shake. <laughs> he looks at you rather strangely. He just just briefly touches the, the ascot and then he pulls his hand back. And he says, oh, okay. Well, look, they're getting very restless, the, the farmers here. I've got to get the farm working again. I, I, we're facing ruin if, if we don't get this harvest in. How long is it going to take you to clear, the, clear these protesters from my property? And he points to the group behind him. And you realize they're not just gathered there as, as uh, refugees. There's actually a, a bit of a protest going on. 
And he says, look, since, since this quarantine zone's been put up, they're not happy. And I'm not happy either. What are you going to do about it? I'm not certain how long it will take to uh, disperse them. How many flamethrowers do we have? He says, no, 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 look, there's, there's no need for anything like that. But, look, I care about these people as well. I, of course I do, but and many of them are suffering badly, but, but I've reached my limit. I can't look after them anymore. I mean, you've, you've put a lot, of, a lot of burden, a big burden on me. And he, he looks at Shapiro and he says, what are, what are you going to do? And Shapiro's just saying, sir, sir, please, let me, let me assure you, let me assure you, we will be doing everything we can. I can guarantee you we will have cleared everyone out within the next 24 hours. And he's not lying. <laughs> he says, one way or the other, the, these protesters will, will be gone from your farm in the next 24 hours. And then you look sharply behind at the three of you to see whether, whether you're going <laughs> to add anything to that or just let it, let it hang there in the air. Yes, Mr. Kazian, you must trust Mr. Shapiro. He's had five successful expeditions. <laughs> yeah, he knows what he's doing. He says, okay, but look, you've you got to get these protesters out of here. My, they're, they're, my workers are at much greater risk now since you've put them in this, in this shanty town here. I, I don't know, the British government. And Shapiro says, it's not the British government, it's the North Borneo Chartered Company. Please get your facts straight. I share your frustration, sir. And Kazin says, well, look, I suppose you'd better set up. There's, the medical tents are there to the south. I will ask him, Richard will ask him, hey, I, I'm uh, Richard Chesterton, I'm pleased to meet you. Uh, have you seen any uh, giant uh, apes around here? Sorry? Well, we passed a really strange scene on the way here with these big footprints. And back in the States, we have legend of like a uh, giant uh, ape man. Just wondering if you guys uh, see anything like that around here. Oh, that sounds like just local folk tales. The nonsense that these farmers believe. Oh yes, there's there's all kinds of stories about monsters and strange creatures in the, in, the, in the mountains. It's all nonsense, of course. Of course, of course it is. And and Kazin says, well, look, you set up in the tents and let me know how progress is going. And then he heads back towards the main house. So Shapiro says, come on, let's let's get this stuff set up. And you head towards the medical tents. It's our job to move on forward and leave you here to do all this, isn't it? Yes, yes, but you've got to help me set up. I mean, I'm not <clears> carrying <throat> this stuff on my own. Come on. These boxes are heavy. It does seem like something that someone with so much experience can handle. Mr. Logan, I'm not a weightlifter. Have you seen how big that Haftarang device is? He just rolls his eyes. All right, let's get this over with. The less we argue, the quicker we'll all get on with our jobs, eh? So you start heading towards the medical tents. And as you're walking towards them, one of the local farmers staggers out towards you from the tree line. She's young. She's a young girl. She's in her late 20s. And her dress is tattered and bloodstained. She has sweat on her brow. And she's pleading for help in Malay. And she's kind of about to cross your path. You can make a spot hidden roll, everyone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I am really on edge. <laughs> as she's walking, as she's staggering forwards, you, you see that she has these huge yellow buboes in her armpits and inner thighs. And Uh-oh. you can see them through the tattered clothing. And she continues towards you. Get back, get you back, doing? quick! Get back! I, I fall back to, to where the cars are. Yes, says, yes, 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 get back! She's infected, she's infected! Back away as quickly as possible. Okay. I pull out my Mauser. I point it at her head. And she just holds up her hand and she's like pleading with you. And you can see now that these, these massive yellow cysts under her armpits are very clearly revealed now. And she says, don't let her get close, for God's sake! I fire a warning shot at her feet get back and with that 
there's suddenly an, an outcry from the from the people protesting on the other side. Someone, a man, shouts out something in Malay, and he runs forward from the, the group that are protesting, jumps over the fence, and he runs towards this woman. And he's like, he obviously knows her, knows her very well. He's calling her name out, and as he gets to to about five feet away from her. She looks at him, cries out something, and then screams in agony as the buboes explode. And a shower of yellow powder just goes all over this man as he screams out in terror and anguish. And the woman falls dead to the ground. And he's now covered in this weird yellow powder that exploded out of the buboes. Logan's going to quickly get inside the car. Mr. Selby, get the flamethrower out the back. Well, Mr. Shapiro, I'd say this is pretty fair evidence that this is not hepatitis. Yes, that's clear. That's clear. But look, as I said, this standard, the form of the yellow death that they had before was was, was like a wildfire. It burns itself out in a week. If they've managed to develop something that can last longer, we have to eradicate. If it's this fast-acting one, we can just leave the quarantine area and, and, and let it run its course. And the survivors will survive and the, the dying will die. But if it's this other strain that we believe they've been working on, this could be disastrous. So I have to continue with this work. I shoot the man in the head. As Mr. Shapiro is talking, I shoot the man in the head. The, the man covered in the yellow powder? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. The only thing that's right, you would let okay. him... Okay. You do know that there's a group of very angry protesters just a f- 50 feet away from you? You sure you want to see that? <laughs> Perhaps that is not the wisest course. I point the I do point the gun at his head though, and I, I indicate that he should return. And and he's kind of weeping. His his tears make tracks through the yellow powder on his face. Isn't that something that you should be like sampling for your little machine there? I mean, he says aren't we yes, to... absolutely. But uh, let me uh, let me mask up first. Come on, let's get these let's get this equipment in the tents. There's nothing we can do for that poor girl, and and I fear there's nothing we can do for that man either. But yes. <sighs> so, I'm sorry. What's the range on uh, inhaling this, by the way? He says, "Well, look. As long as we keep a good distance, five, ten feet, I think we're fine. From everything that I understand about this disease." Can um, we get all these people to line up somehow and then, you know, end them? It's the only humane thing to do. He says, "Mr." As you say, I don't think that's what we came here to do. Doc, I think we were supposed to help them, not, not not kill them all. I mean, maybe we could stop this in its tracks. Mr. Thackeray, Perhaps. here's me thinking you're a man of science. And you're turning out to be a psychopath. What do you mean, kill them all? We have to try and save them. Now, that is interesting that you would call me the psychopath. Now, that is an area of science where I do have some professional expertise. And I can tell you that this does, this is not a symptom of any psychopathic mind. This is preserving our lives, which you have so flippantly put into danger. Look, sir, I know we are in danger, Mr. Thackeray, but remember, we do have the backup plan if all else goes wrong. In in the meantime, we have to try and save these people. That is the humane thing to do. Yes, of course. You see Logan at the back of one of the uh, armored cars. He's strapping on the uh, flamethrower. Good man. What makes you think that these poor bastards can be saved? Because there's no guarantee that they're all infected. He points now to some of the tents. He says, look, there are sick and dying people in those tents, but the rest of them seem perfectly fine. You know how fast this thing works. I've already told you. They're probably okay. It's probably, the majority of them are probably healthy. Otherwise, they would be suffering the symptoms. 
Very well, know. Mr. Shapiro. You are the one who is staying behind with them. Yes, indeed I am. I'm the one taking the risk now. You're going off on some jaunt gallivanting up the mountain with your flamethrowers. And what is to happen to us if you succumb? Well, the thing will go off, and you better get the hell out of here. Well, then let's not waste any more time. Let's just go. Okay, so you load, unload the the car. Abdin's been kind of sitting there just watching this whole interchange, <laughs> wondering <laughs> what the hell he's got himself involved in. <laughs> Abdin, I see the look on your face. You're not the only one. I didn't know you were so bloodthirsty, Doc. Goodness. Bloodthirstiness has nothing to do with it. It's self-preservation. I'm not sure you quite understand the danger we are facing here. We've all potentially been exposed. So as you go down towards the medical tents, you can see that severely sick locals are being taken care of here before they die. The stench of disease and death hangs heavy over the area, with those no longer able to walk lying in rows of makeshift beds. The infected show various symptoms of the yellow death. Some of them look like their flesh is rotting. Others have been vomiting up their innards. Others are kind of crying out and sweating in some kind of fever dream, hallucinations. Others have these terrible buboes swelling on their necks and, and underarms. Others are shambling around vacant-eyed, with their limbs jerking in palsied tremors. And the worst of all, some of them are oozing yellow pus from all their orifices, including bright yellow tears. I should like nothing better than to leave this place with all haste. Yes, yes. So, some way away from the medical tents, you see a long ditch just inside the tree line, and it's been... Obviously, it's been dug to store the linen-wrapped bodies of those that have succumbed to the disease. The mass grave is beginning to overflow, with dozens of corpses piled on top of one another. Kind of grim. But anyway, you, you unload, um, and you, you prepare to, to get the hell out of there. Abdin is, is kind of encouraging you. You see, sitting next to one of the medical tents, a young boy. And he's just kind of looking very sad. He's kind of crying. He's got his chin in his hand. He looks healthy. He doesn't seem to have any symptoms. And he's kind of staring to the distance with, with tears trickling down his face. Abdin goes, oh, the poor, that poor boy. I can't imagine what, must have, what he must have been through. Yeah, this is the most horrific thing I've ever seen. And that includes those weird things we saw under the temple. This is Abdin really bad. Says, I'm going to go and comfort him. I can't bear to see this. No, Abdin, he might, he might not show any symptoms, but he might be infected. I, I wouldn't. Well, at least let me go and talk to him. I'm sure I know him. He, he looks familiar. Just don't touch him. Mr. Chesterton, it may surprise you to know that in other places than the West, things like this are all too common. I know things can get bad. I've seen things in the jungle, you know, but I, this is horrific. He's Where is Shapiro at this moment? Shapiro is now, has now gone inside one of the medical tents and he's, he's uncrating the viral analyzer. Trying to, and starting to get it set up as as you're sitting in the thing, and Abdin says, "Please, sirs, just give me just give me five minutes. Five minutes. That's all I ask. I know I know we have lots to do, but this poor boy, I can't just. My heart breaks." Abdin, you go to him or you come with us. It is one or the other. It is not both. Do you understand me? Okay, make a. I guess that's an intimidate roll or a persuade roll. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I guess you. It was somewhere in between. It was like a. Perswimidate. <laughs> That's a new skill I'm adding. <laughs> okay, I suppose I am paid to be with you, but uh, do you not have any any uh, kindness in your heart, sir? Kindness will be saved for when we save these poor bastards, not for when they are potentially killing us. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you see Shapiro standing at the, 
at the doorway to the tent as you chug off and he he gives you a little wave and then heads back inside you 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 think he's he's looking he's got a grim expression on his face but he looks determined that's more like it okay so you then head up towards the the junction again and as you get near to the survey camp you see that there's a group of protesters and they've blocked the dirt track to the camp while others stand alongside the chain link fence which has been established around the camp's perimeter some of the protesters in front of the perimeter are definitely showing some signs of that second stage infection and you see beyond the chain link fence the camp is a series of temporary huts constructed in a horseshoe formation there's a couple of model a trucks and there's a bunch of members from the survey team going about their business. There's a couple of guards on the front gate armed with rifles. And they seem a bit nervous with all these protesters who have gathered in front of the gates. What are you going to do? You're, you're probably about 50, 60 feet back at this point. But between you and the survey camp, there's a bunch of probably infected protesters. Logan turns to his two companions and just he says to them, Do you guys really feel like Caduceus is even up to this task? Whether they are or they are not, we are here now and must make do. Abdin, Abdin, come here. Listen to me very carefully. Yes, sir. I want you to get the attention of those men who are blocking the road. I want you to tell them that Mr. Kazin has free food and medical supplies back up at the house. Okay, I'll try, sir, but they seem very angry. I think they want something more than a bit of food. Tell them he will address, he will address their anger directly. Okay. I'll give it a go, sir. I, I can't promise. I'll give it a go. He jumps out and he walks over and he starts um, shouting something in Malay to the group. He holds his hands up and he's like clapping them and he's shouting at them. And you see him go over. Let's see what he does. He needs to roll 70 to... Oh! <laughs> he rolls a 68. You see him initially like they seem just... They're, they're kind of like... Some of them turn around and shout at him, probably to go away, to leave him alone. But he he keeps talking, he keeps imploring them. He's he's staying a good distance back. He's not getting too close. And then eventually he seems to have got through to probably one or two of the ringleaders. And yeah, he manages to to get them to sort of part and let you let you get access to the to the gate. Well done, my friend. And then he just he, he signals to your driver, um, who then slowly starts driving the. Uh, the truck forwards as you get closer you can see now that the guards you know looking really nervous obviously they're you know they got their rifles they were <laughs> they were ready to use them if, if necessary as they see that you're from the you know you've got an army truck they they um slide the bolt open open the, the gates and um and they let you let you drive in and then abdin follows in and they shut the gates behind you so you get out one of the guards says, wait here, sirs, I, I, I'm going to get the head of the survey team. You, you better talk to him. His name's Mr. Clemens. And you notice that the, the, one of the, guard, the other guard is looking very pale and unsteady on his feet. He's probably about 10 feet away from you, and he's, he's like swaying backwards and forwards. It looks like he's about to pass out. Pull out my Mauser. He's yeah. just standing there? He looks like he's in a daze. He's, he, you know, once he closed the gate and pushed the bolt back, he, he was kind of leaning against the fence, and then he was kind of swaying a bit as he's trying to kind of get, regain his, his composure. And then suddenly, he vomits. He just bends down and vomits. And it's awful. He's basically vomiting out his internal organs. And as he does that, he just falls forward dead on the ground. 
which is a horrible sight. And then there's a commotion. A couple more guards come over and they just drag his body away to, to the medical hut. And I think you're just standing there. We need to get out of here. We need to finish out. I mean, Richard's freaking out a little bit. <laughs> He's never seen anything like this. It's yeah. about time you joined the party, Mr. Chesterton. This rather overweight man comes forward with a Panama hat over his dirty hair. He's got spectacles with dirty lenses and a crease suit. He's red-faced and sweating. And he comes over and he says, So who are you then? I'm Clements. We are Caduceus agents. We are setting foot into the jungle to find a cure. Well, bloody about time too. When, when are you going to drop this bloody quarantine zone so I can report my findings? I've discovered some very important deposits of copper that will be of, of great interest to my superiors. When's, this, when's all this nonsense going to be over? Did you really suggest that we allow you in front of superior officers <laughs> when you could be infected? I'm not infected. What are you talking about? We've kept these rotters out of here. I point over to where your, uh, to where his uh, soldier was once standing. Didn't fare him too well. Well, he must have got too close. I don't know. Look, I, I can't, I can't vouch for all the, the, the actions of all, of all my men. But look, look, isn't that why you're here? So we can start operations again? What's going on? It'll all be resolved in about 20 hours, so... Well, look, whatever you find, make sure it's a good report. I want this thing done and dusted in the next two days. I think we can manage that. What do you guys think? Two days it is. Good. I don't want any nonsense about this being this being a health hazard to the wider community. I don't care if you, a few of these locals end up uh, getting a bit, bit of an upset tummy. You know, what's the problem? I think that guard back there just literally puked his guts out. Well, there's no account. I mean, look, there's all kinds of diseases when you come out here. That's part of the deal. You know, malaria, typhoid. It's what happens. I don't see why there's such a big fuss about this. A little bit of hepatitis. It seems to kill people very quickly and in a very bad way. So that's why. I think we should all get inside as quickly as possible. I think standing out here only threatens to expose us further. Uh, As head of the uh, survey team, I assume you have some uh, maps of the area? I do, but, um, but look... Why do you want maps? What, what, what's going on? Aren't you here to evacuate us? And clear the area? Oh, no. Oh, you, you, you misunderstand. You are to remain here until the illness passes. And uh, we are being sent into the jungle to make sure it passes as quickly as possible. So any aid you can give us will ensure that you can leave as quickly as possible. However, it's... you are to remain under quarantine until we are finished. It's... He's like fuming. This is outrageous. This is not what I was led to believe. I thought you were here to get us get us airlifted out of here. As agreed in two days' time. Good, good God, I, I want this whole situation sorted out in two days' time. I I need to. I need. I, I, I've got important. I, I can't. I can't be stuck here. In this. Oh. He starts fuming and he says, "I've got important scientists here." They're, they're bridling at the bit. They, they don't want to be stuck here with, 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 with this unrest going on. Who knows but what none could of, be happening? None of us want to be stuck here. None of us want to be here, but we're here, and we have to find out what's causing the infection and stop it. Scientists, you say? Yeah, exactly. What kind of scientists do you have here? Oh, okay, so you're someone's going to have to make, or you're all going to, you can all try to make a interpersonal role or a credit rating role, depending on which you prefer. Because he, he's, uh, oh, well, there you go. AP nails his credit rating role. He, he realizes that you're a man of substance. <laughs> so he's calming down a bit. And he, and he says, look, I'm sorry about that. I, I've just been a bit under, under pressure. Look, I know this thing is, is dangerous. I, look, it's, it's the bloody locals. They've been spreading this disease. Look at the way they behave. And ten members of my team, including our doctor, 
They've already died. I've got no medical staff. Your doctor has already died. That is not good, sir. No. The five men in the medical tent, they'll be dead by the morning. I agree with you. So please, uh, take us to these scientists, provide us with the maps we need of the area, and hopefully we can get this done and dusted, as they say, mm. as quickly and as efficiently as possible. Blustering about it out here in the quarantine zone is certainly not my idea of progress. He says, I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm sorry. I, that's the stress of the situation. Uh, yeah. He says, look, the poor bastards over there. And you see a row of ten graves. And as you walk past, you can all make a spot hidden roll. <laughs> wow. Okay. So as you're walking past, you notice that whilst they're freshly dug, there's something weird about them. It's like the soil... Like, you know what a grave, a freshly dug grave looks like? The soil is like in a slight mound. But all of these graves, they're slightly sunken in, as if they've subsided or something. Like maybe the body's melted within? Something like that. Those graves are looking a bit unusual, assuming they are graves. Most likely it's the looseness of the soil in this uh, humid temperature. See, what happens is the, uh, the soil retains moisture, and then when the moisture evaporates in the hot sun, the soil sinks down. Would it sink down that much, though, Doc? I'm certainly... I can only say from my experience, I certainly am not used to uh, Boreo. Apologies if my uh, antics back there put you on edge. Something weird about those graves. I, don't graves normally heap up over the top of them once you've buried the body in there? Depends on how closely you fill them. Mr. Clement, were they mounded over when you dug them? I mean, what happened here? He looks over at them. He says, Oh, that's rather odd. Now you come to mention it, yes, that's... The... No, they, they, they... Well, they, they were... They must have subsided or sunk down. I mean, maybe... maybe you know, there, there are some strange mineral deposits around here. Maybe maybe something collapsed underneath when we dug. I, I don't know. No, no, they, they looked perfectly normal earlier, earlier today. Well, this is just perfect. On top of everything else, we have to worry about seismic activity. You said earlier today they looked normal? Yes, yes. So it's like, not like it's grave robbers or something. Well, I mean, why would anyone... What a horrible thought. You know, I'd believe anything these days. Well, look, I mean, I mean if you suspect something, maybe you should exhume one of them. I, I don't know. Look, but but, sir, Mr. Thackeray, there's, there's, there's no um, seismic activity around this mountain. No, it's, it can't be that. That's, that we know for sure. I'm thinking maybe some kind of underground, uh, you know, you know air, air pocket or something that we disturbed when we, when we were digging. It is my understanding that um, through uh, archaeological texts that I have studied in this area, that uh, the soil is prone to sinking exactly like this. I believe I read that somewhere. Maybe so, maybe so. That, that, that must be the reason. Right, so uh, I would like to uh, talk to whatever uh, scientists they have uh, on hand. You know, I, I asked them to provide maps of the area. Perhaps, uh, perhaps okay. there is uh, something that would... Uh, jump out at us and you know i want to question the scientists as to what they've encountered hey mr clements maybe you could have somebody zoom one of those bodies and see what's happened you're playing with fire sir hey i'm not doing it somebody else is going to do the work um, what are you <laughs> going to do with that body after you've brought it up just want to see what's happened under there well don't get within 30 feet of it one of the surveyors is brought is brought over to talk to you ap and he comes over and uh, he's looking really disheveled and tired, as we, and he, he's unshaven. And he says, what can I do for you, sir? So we are, we are here from Caduceus to uh, locate the precise source of this disease. Best guesses, having been in this area, can you tell me 
when and where the, this uh, disease first manifested? Well, it's obvious. It started and started down there in the in the farm. Oh, that's where that's that's where the first the first cases were, were spotted. I see. And did anybody new arrive in town uh, in that time period? Have you well, kept I, a, uh, a census? No, no, no. We don't interact with them. Why do you think we got this chain link fence? The people on the farm that came down with it first, where were they working exactly? Well, they were, they were working in, in the fields, in the tobacco fields, and, and some of them are small, small holders in the, in the grasslands south, south, of the, south of the farm. They were all rounded up and you know, kept in that shantytown. Uh, Mr. Kazin, uh, he, he, he argued bitterly against it, but it was the only thing to do. We couldn't let them just stay where they were. They could just drift off into the forest and then God knows what would happen. Mr. Clemens mentioned uh, copper deposits. Have there been any mining activities? Oh, yes, yes, further up the mountain. Have those mining activities coincided at all with the outbreak? Well, I mean, I mean, we, we've been... No, 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 not at all. Not at all, we've been here for months. I mean, yes, I mean, I, look, I, I don't know. They're, 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 a new seam was found maybe a few days before the outbreak, but, you know, we find seams all the time. I... I can't see how that could have had anything to do with it. For the lack of any other answers, perhaps that is a good place to start. Um, do you have a, uh, a guide or a map who can take us to that exact vein? Certainly. It's, it's, uh, he, he gets out a little OS map. It's up here. You know, you need to go through the forest. Um, you need to go through the forest. There's an escarpment, like a cliff face up there. Maybe about five miles or so. Is uh, anybody here who has been there before? Well, yes, but... We're not permitted to leave the perimeter, as you know. Have you, you yourself, been there? Well, yes, we were there a few weeks ago. I see. Who first discovered it? Was it you or one of your colleagues? Yes, it was me. Oh, I see. Very good. And uh, did you see any snakes or snake-like creatures in the area? Well, this, this forest is full of snakes here. I mean... Could you describe them, perhaps? Any that were out of the ordinary? Well, I mean... If you call a 30-foot-long boa constrictor ordinary, I suppose, I suppose, no, nothing out of the ordinary. You know what, some of, the, some of these locals have been saying some strange things about uh, monsters or something. I don't know. We haven't been outside the perimeter in the last, since, since, since the quarantine was put in place, but some of these chaps on the other side have said they've, I don't know, like, heard things in the, in the forest? I, I don't know. Sounds like a load of old nonsense. Like what kind of uh, thing? Oh, I don't know. I didn't speak Malay. You have, to sp- you, have to- you have to speak to them about it. Abdin, do you know what he's talking about? Abdin looks at you and says, Sir, the- yes, the-, the mountain has all kinds of mysteries about it. But I'm not, I'm not local, so I-, I only come here occasionally. We should go and talk to some of them. Well, I hesitate to do that, but... Do we have any locals who work here so, in the camp? No, they're all kept outside the, per- the perimeter. This is purely the North Borneo Chartered Company employees. Now, Logan... You were curious about the graves, weren't you? Yeah, I wanted Clemens to get somebody to dig it up and take a look at it. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to persuade Clemens to do that. <laughs> He's not going to go digging in disinterring graves unless you can persuade him. All right, persuade. Would, would you like me to have a chat with him? I feel like I... I have intimidate. all right so you see clemens and he's kind of talking to some of his men over by the by one of the the planning operations tents what do you do logan says to clemens good god man get somebody over there to dig up those graves and see what's going on they could be leaking into the water or something what's this all about (laughs) this is outrageous i'm not gonna go digging up some graves 
Do you want to spend some luck on that? Yeah, I'll do it. Let's see. So it's okay. going to be, what, 14? 14. 14 luck. And he's like, well, look, I, I, this, is, this is all highly irregular. I'm, I'm going to report this to, to, to my superiors at the end. You do know this. This will go in the Do you want to find out what's going on or not? Okay, okay. God damn it, man. And, and, he, and he says, you two, go and dig up that, that last one there. And they look really just very, very unhappy about, about this. And one of them's muttering, I'm not going up, bloody hell, I'm not digging up old Barry, God's sake. <laughs> so they head over with their shovels. Selby, you risk, you risk infecting those two, two soldiers there. Yes, well, sometimes you have to, uh, you know, risk one to save many, right? There's always casualties in any war. I don't care for the British as much as the next Malay, but that's a bit extreme, sir. Says the guy that pulls out his gun every five seconds. So they they start digging, dig, 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 and after about five minutes, one of them's like, "What a bleeding hell!" And he's like digging a bit more. Here, Mr. Clemens, there's a fucking hole. Clemens says, "I know there's a hole. You've just dug it." He says, "No, no, 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 look." There's a, there's a bleeding hole going down, down in the ground. There's no body. And Clemens says, don't be ridiculous, man. You're, you're digging in the wrong place. And he goes striding over. And he just looks down. And, he, and he's like, and then he goes silent. And he's going, and then, he, and, and then he says, good God, what on earth is going on here? Do we have any flares or anything like that? Sure, you've got whatever equipment you want. Uh, so Logan would grab a flare and walk over there and maybe drop a flare down the hole. Okay, well... When you get there, you see that the, the, they've dug up most of it. There's no sign of a body. And there is a strange tunnel leading into the grave about, you know, six feet down. And it, and it appears to continue into the earth, sort of heading eastwards towards the, the, the forest. Is there any uh, smell or anything like that you'd expect? So you're going over as well? Oh, uh, yeah, I would. Okay. So... You kind of <laughs> so, Richard. You poke your your head over, have a quick sniff. <laughs> Actually, no. There's no there's no smell at all. Mm. I mean, you think there would be, you know, if there was a body, you'd think there'd be a smell. What 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 on earth is this? I mean, where, where's the body's gone? Quickly, but dig up the next one. <laughs> can we see the bottom of the hole? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 you can see the bottom of the grave, but the the tunnel goes laterally. It doesn't go down. It looks like some someone has tunneled underneath the earth and stolen the body, is basically what this looks like. Mr. Selby, do you see any yellow dust down there? No dust. Just just soil. Just thick, rich, dark soil. I don't see any at the moment. So the two men start digging the next one, and after a couple of minutes, like the soil just collapses down, and, and one of them says, Fucking hell, this one's the same! And Clemens goes... What is going on here? Who, which of you talked about grave robbers? What on earth? What do you know? What's going on? Just a wild guess, sir. Well, your wild guess seems uncannily accurate. What, what do you know about grave robbing? Why would anyone take a diseased corpse? Your guess is as good as mine, Mr. Clemens. Well, look, this is highly irregular. I'm going to go and radio back to, to, to base. I'm making an official complaint about what's been going on here. This is, this is just not on. And he stomps off. Well, it looks like we might be doing some exploring of some underground tunnels again. You want to go spelunking in the grave? I mean, see, Mr. Selby, I don't know about that. This seems to be the best lead we have at the moment. What time of day is it? 
it's still it's just after lunch lunchtime so it's it's like t minus let's say 20 hours at this point you've still got 20 hours after everything you've done today before the hafterang device goes off if you guys want to stay here i'll be more than happy to climb into this hole and take a look i mean i'll go with you i mean how big how big a tunnel is it i mean is it something that two people can walk down side by side can we even stand up no no it's it's a tight squeeze if you're like got a big build it's a tight squeeze to get through it looks like it might be a bit snug yes indeed you know it's going to be if you're claustrophobic at all it's probably going to be a little bit um... well my size is 80 so i'm assuming i won't fit no you can i mean you can get down it's just as i said it's a tight squeeze well logan will jump into the hole and take his flashlight and he'll shine it into the shine it into the tunnel and see if he can see anything in the tunnel it just goes goes on clearly it's going like out under the perimeter of the of the uh survey camp i pack some uh the opium into my pipe mm. and i say i'll be along give me a <laughs> few minutes so logan logan will say oh the hell with it and he'll climb into the hole okay and richard will go too <laughs> he wants to, he wants to be brave so. okay so it is an unpleasant work crawling through this tunnel because it's so tight and dark but it seems to have been well constructed. It's like the occasional bit of dirt kind of drops down from the roof of the tunnel as you're crawling along it. But it's well, it's been, it's well packed. It's not, you know, you don't think there's any danger of it collapsing or anything. Mr. Chesterton, don't be surprised if we run into mole people. <laughs> AP, you're, are you waiting there for them to come back? Or what are you doing? I'm, I'm standing at the, uh, the edge of the grave smoking my pipe. Smoking your pipe. Good, yes. good time to be doing it. After okay. 20 minutes or so, I joined them. So you, you estimate you get something like 20, 30 yards past the perimeter, and then the tunnel just rises up and opens out into the forest, and it emerges. And when you get out, you can both make a spot-hidden roll. So you see some unusual footprints leading from the tunnel into the forest. The tracks are... The best thing you could describe them like is goat-like. They're like goat's feet. You know what a goat's foot is like. It's it's not mm-hmm. it's an it's not a cloven hoof, but it's got like those three, you know, the large toe and the smaller ones. These are a little again, a little bit strange because they're much bigger than a goat's. They're they're about five to eight inches across. I swear to God, if we run into a minotaur. You've been reading too many comic books. And they're leading off into the forest. That was a long flight, you know. So we have to decide if we're gonna go back and tell the duck. You well, you can, you're only on the edge of the forest. You could just walk back a few f- yards and you could, you'd see him on the other side of the fence. I'll stay here and look around some more, Richard. Why don't you go t- tell the doc? Okay, I'll go back. Okay. We found some weird tracks, doc. We need to, I think we need to explore a little more leading away from the hole. Very well. I shall be there presently. I just stick my pipe in my mouth and crawl out and follow them <laughs> along. For a, a period of time, you are going to have some kind of protection against insanity but then you will become very soporific not comatose but you're gonna be like fucked up on opium basically plus every time you take it there's a chance you get addicted as well which means uh, obviously you will need to continue taking it there's some positives some negatives so unseen unbidden you crawl through the tunnel and and then you're all out in this thick forest they head north into the thick dense forest so I would say we have to follow them. Great. And Logan will draw his sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have my machete to 
just you know because might have overgrowth or undergrowth and stuff like that to hack through and i have my walking stick out as as usual it's very dense jungle and as you sort of start going through you, you definitely get a very strong smell of initially it smells very sweet like like really ripe fruit just wafts over you as you start walking and then you realize <laughs> like like really like really ripe fruit and but then you realize it's got this undercurrent of rottenness like it's overripe you know that smell when fruit has just been ripening for too long and it just wafts over with increasing frequency the further north you get for the first hour that you're you're striking north like you're starting to see some of this fruit like lying on the ground and hanging from the trees granted none of you have been to borneo before but these are fruits you've never seen, let alone even heard of. They're, they're in the most bizarre shapes and colours, like really intense, iridescent, multicoloured, with strange fronds. And some of them have got bluish leaves coming off them, which you know is not. You know, there's no blue leaves in nature, really. And, and they're dripping these weird iridescent nectars, and they give off this incredibly powerful smell. Do any of you have any Cthulhu mythos? Yes, I do. Even though I fumbled it, I do have it. You 20. do. Do you want to make a Cthulhu Mythos roll? Yes. Professor, do you want to spend six luck? Oh, yes. That's it? Yeah, why not? Yeah. So, maybe from some of the readings of the, of the Nacal books. It's the opium. <laughs> mm, it's the opium. You, maybe you even saw a sketch or something. These fruits don't come from Earth. They come from a place called the Dreamlands. I do not think these fruits are of this earth. I dreamt these fruits. You dreamt them? Indeed. I think they only exist in dreams. Why don't you say that? Remember those bird things that took down the airplane? Those are from dreamland as well. And yet, dreams pave the way for life, and they determine you without you understanding their language. And you now know for sure, AP, that you have entered the dreamland's forest. My friends, we have, we have left the waking world. We no longer stand on solid earth. It seems like this is not complete, that there are just these elements, these individual trees, individual fruits. The rest looks like normal jungle. Maybe it's just an incursion of some kind. That's what you're thinking, AP. It's just your opium talking. I don't know if it is just me, but you seem to be here with me. Well, this we land, all see it. This is both Borneo and not Borneo. I would keep your weapons ready. Okay. You're now sure that you're following these hoof prints. They're very easy to see below you. However, one set of tracks are different. They're more claw-like and slender. And you saw Tyrannish's feet. You saw what passed for La Fuente's feet. These are obviously serpent person tracks that you're seeing. Chesterton! Have you not kissed these feet before? <laughs> I didn't kiss the feet, no. But they're definitely serpent people. Serpent men. Or women, I suppose. Tracks. I think we might be on the right track, though. To find in our, uh, source. I check and clean my Tommy gun. And in the gloom ahead, a faint blue-green glow can be seen from mosses creeping up oddly-shaped trees and from strange plants in the undergrowth. It is a beautiful but unnerving sight, and you realize that for the last few minutes there's no sound of wildlife other than the occasional rustling, which seems to echo around you 
as if some small animals were silently stalking you. I had the same dream three times. I was in a foreign land, and suddenly, overnight, and right in the middle of summer, a terrible cold descended from space. All seas and rivers were locked in ice. Every green living thing had frozen. So is my blood now. And, and then suddenly you hear like a louder crashing from behind you. And as you turn to see what it is, you see it's that young boy again from the farm. He's seemingly blindly running through the forest, his eyes streaked with those tears again. And he's kind of crying out and shouting something in Malay. He doesn't even seem to notice you. And he, he runs maybe 15 yards off from your right. He runs past you towards this thicker canopy. And you can all make a spot hidden roll. Wow. <laughs> Logan failed for once. You can you can spend three luck, Logan, if you want. Are the other two fail? Or... Yes. yes okay, I yeah, three luck, I'll spend it. Yeah. As you see this boy running, you see what was making those strange echoing noises around you as if mm-hmm. something was stalking. You suddenly see emerging on a tree branch right above where the boy is running these rats like a whole group of these rats and as you look closer you realize rats don't have tentacles do they (laughs) they've got these strange like tendrils just hanging from their viciously toothed maws and two of them leap down onto the boy and he screams in fright and pain and Abdin goes, no! And he rushes forward to try and save the boy. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> and he runs forward saying, watch out, boy! And then we will cut until next week. <laughs> dun, dun, dun! Wow. Oh, boy. Yes. Little boy and some rat things jumping on his head. Lovely. It's thank you time again. So first of all, thanks to Gregory Moore, who is our latest Patreon backer, and he has joined at the $5 level. Thanks so much, Gregory. We are ever so grateful for you backing the show, and we hope you continue to enjoy all the content that we put out and all the bonus episodes, because at the $5 level, you get the bonus episodes. Come on, everyone. You know you want it. Thank you, as usual, to Sirenscape for providing the amazing sound beds, sound effects, and music for the podcast. Also, of course, this podcast, it would exist, but it wouldn't have the same joy and energy it does have if it wasn't for the Patreon backers. I love you all. I thank you all. You make my day, my month, my year. And at whatever level you're backing, I'm just so, so grateful. And thank you for helping us keep going. If you want to show your support for the show please go to patreon.com forward slash grizzlypeaks where you can join at a variety of levels, some of which will get you some really nice goodies like getting to play in one of our exclusive Patreon backer-only games. That should be fun. I know it is. We've done one already and it was awesome. But if your wallet can't quite stretch to reaching the grizzly peak, as we call it, the $20 a month level, at the $5 a month level you get access to exclusive Patreon-only shows. There's one released every month and so far they've been quite special. So, uh, yeah, $5 a month gets you that. At $3 a month you get early access to the regular show. At all levels also, 
I almost completely forgot. You will get access to the ongoing saga of our Mass of Nihilatep campaign. We stopped releasing that on the main feed, but I decided there was so much good stuff in there that I would release the episodes raw, unfiltered, unedited. So if you want to really see what goes on behind the scenes, that's the place to go. Those are available to backers at all levels. And there's a special Grizzly Masks level where for $2 a month, you can get all of those Mass of Nihilatep episodes. So please, if you want to back the show, joining the Patreon is the best way to do it. We are ever so grateful for anyone that does join at any level and we are totally dedicated to producing as much great content as we possibly can to say thank you really to all of our backers 